Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by his word. God bless. Praise the Lord. Just before I dismiss uh, the children, we're going to have the announcements at the end. It's so good to have you here this morning. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord? Yes. I thank God for his faithfulness. I thank God he is here. The Lord is here and he desires to speak to you that you would have those ears to hear. For those that are visiting this morning, I uh, just welcome you here. And uh, my name is uh, Pastor Dave, or Dave, it's Dave, but I am pastor here. And I just thank the Lord for uh, his spirit that uh, speaks to us. His spirit that speaks to us in these days, in this day and age, we need to hear what the spirit is saying. And especially those that are sharing or giving the word, that they would not just give their own word, but they would give what they have heard from the Spirit. This morning I've heard from the Spirit of the Lord, and the Lord has a message for us this morning. Praise the Lord. I'm going to dismiss our children uh, at this time, and they, they may head out. I want to thank uh, all of you that are, are here for coming. For those that are online... It's good to have you, I welcome you, those that are online, praise the Lord. In John 10, verse 7, Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. The sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I praise God. This morning, if you're not experiencing abundant, full, vigorous life, that you would get to a place to examine yourself and examine where you are at, to look at yourself. I'm not saying that we won't go through trials and tribulations. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the things that we go through in life, the storms of life, I'm not talking about the storms of life. But I'm talking about the things that will keep you from the fullness and the abundance of life that God wants to give us because of the decisions that we make as believers, as children of God. The enemy truly has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The Lord came that we may have life, and that we may have it more abundantly. And this morning, that there would be this acknowledgement and recognition, Lord, I desire that abundant life. Praise the Lord. Um, at this time, I want to, where's my mom? She doesn't know. I, I just said, hey, mom, I'm going to be calling you up. And so uh, let's see if this is going to work. I don't know if I have two here or not. 
I'm going to ask mom, can you come up here? Oh, this is a long one. Perfect. I'm going to, I'm going to ask my mom. Don't, don't open it up. Don't open it up. She doesn't know what she's doing. So take this, take this end. All right. And we're going to wrap it. Hopefully, by the measurement of this, it should wrap around twice. So I'm going to wrap it around my waist. So hold on. Let me just put this down for a sec. Bear with me. If I don't move too much, it, it should stay on. You guys are saying, how, how many like the fashion? Is it all right? That's like, ah, I don't know. It's like, what? Seriously? Okay. Let me, let me give a little bit of background. Let me give a little bit of background here. When, I got, uh, when we got married, Julie and I, many years ago, and uh, 36 years ago, May 23rd, 1987. I, I remember so many parts of that day so vividly. However, this morning, as I, I looked at a picture of us, we have a, a picture in one of our uh, wedding, uh, or the picture afterward, the pictures, and, uh, and I, I, we're in one of the parks in Welland. We got married in Welland. And so we're, I'm standing looking at Julie. Julie's looking at me and the photographer, are, and then we're looking at the photographer. So there's this side shot, okay? And uh, I didn't, I forgot, but the, the day that uh, we got married, of course, I didn't know what Julie, what her, her wedding dress was gonna be like, but it was, when I saw it, it was like, okay, this is beautiful. Not only this long dress, and it sort of had a southern flair to it. To me, she looked like a southern belle. There was this hat that she was wearing. And once again, it's, when I looked at it today, it was like, because the fashion at that time was, I don't know, was, the women were wearing these really weird headbands or something. I don't know if you got married in the, in the, in the 80s, uh, late, mid to late 80s, but that was one of the fashions, like, oh, man. I, but her, her hat, even as I looked at it this morning, I was like, oh, man. Like, the fashion of it was amazing. I, and I thought, what, hey, I was not so much enamored by the dress as I was about my bride. And that picture obviously was taken after we were married and just realizing, oh, my goodness, this is my wife. This is my bride. She is so beautiful. And even so many years later, it's like, man, I love my wife. And I know, hey, I'm flawed. And, and yeah, sometimes I irritate her. Sometimes I frustrate her. But we've been together all this time. And it's good. 
as I looked at the picture, I looked at the, my suit, and it was a, it was a tux, it was rented, and I didn't, I didn't remember the fact that it had tails. So the back of it, so the front jacket part came like this, and it went around like this, and it had the tails. So it was like, and then on the side of the pants, there's a, a stripe. I guess that was one of the fashions of the tuxes in those days. I don't know if it's still the fashion now, but there's this, just a, a, a complimentary stripe down the, the edge or the side of the leg. I had a bow tie. And then the other thing that was big in those days was the cummerbund. How many of you guys got married with a cummerbund? Anybody? One guy. Okay. All right. Wow. I, I, okay, so it was, it was this thing that went around the middle here. Okay, so that's the cummerbund, right? So it goes around the middle. Now, you would just fasten in the back, and they're sort of like that one, I, I, if I recall, had some, a bit of the, like these pleats or layers. But there was this cummerbund that I was wearing that was complementing the bow tie and was comp complementing the suit, the tuxedo. Today, started a series called Den of Thieves. Den of Thieves. Jesus mentioned of this 2,000 years ago. But he was, he was also referring to the Old Testament. Today we're going to go a little bit into the Old Testament, or we will go into the Old Testament, regarding this den of thieves. You might say, what does this have to do with this cummerbund? It says in Jeremiah 13, 11, and before I read that, I want you to know that Jesus is the bridegroom. That he desires for us to be the bride. That's including every single believer from the beginning of time to the end of time as we would know it. That we would be the, the bride of Christ. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. And that is the, the fact of what will be. It is reality. This is not just a thing of... of illustration for to make a point but is way more than that it is the reality of who we need to be before Christ without spot or wrinkle a glorious church ready for his coming and there has been a weight that has been put upon me to share and to give a message that may not be an easy message but that it would be one of hope for you that in this day and age, we would be ready for the coming of the Lord. And if you don't think that the Lord is coming soon, you need to get your head out of the sand and look around as what is happening at this time. 
The Lord is coming soon. He is coming soon. For as the sash clings to the waist of a man, so I have caused the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me, says the Lord, that they may become my people for renown, for praise, and for glory. The sash. That they may become my people for renown, for praise, and for glory. For renown is like, wow, I cannot believe what has been accomplished or done. And there's an elevation, if you would, of who we are before Christ. This people for praise and glory. A praise that goes up to the Lord Jesus. A glorifying of Him. And so the sash clings to the waist of a man. So I have caused the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me. This is what the Lord wants for us. What he wants for us to be. There's a clinging to the Lord. And it's like, really? Like, really, what, what function and purpose other than to cling to the Lord? There might be an, an enhancing of the cummerbund, of the sash, when it comes to the whole ensemble of who Jesus Christ is. There's a closeness. There's a thing of, of holiness and righteousness with this sash that is on. All right. I want you to keep that in your mind as we go through today. I want you to listen carefully. A quick synopsis from last week from Matthew 21. And it's about getting stuck on the outside. All the way around the temple in Jesus' day, there was an outer court. There was a, a wall, if you would, there were, and a portico where there was pillars, so porched areas all around the outside of the temple. And this was the outer court. And in this passage, the people are stuck in the outer court. They, they have not entered into the presence of God. In fact, the only time that anybody could enter was one day out of the year and one person, and that person being the high priest. The rest could not enter into the Holy of Holies. And the only way that the, 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 the high priest could go in was with blood and through blood, a sacrifice. 
Then Jesus went into the temple of God, this is Matthew 21, verse 12, and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. There was, a, there was a, an anger of where, what the house of the Lord should be. And there was, there was business that was happening in the outer court which should not have been. And people were stuck in the outer court and were distracted and had grabbed a hold of the business of what was going on in the temple that should not have been. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. I expanded on that last time. Prayer is basically communication. We talk to God. We have communion with Him. It's about fellowship. It's about relationship that we have with the Lord. Last week, I also emphasized the fact that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What we allow into our lives personally, we have to be careful that we do not make our life about the things that would distract and keep us from entering into his presence. And I'll tell you right now, there is a, a very large attack, a very real attack on us to not enter into the presence of God. And I'm not just talking about Sundays or when we would have church, but I'm talking about daily I'm talking about each and every day, where we're at each and every day. And how, if at all, do we come into communion with the Lord? Is the Lord a part of our life and who we are, even when we do our work? You may say, well, hey, Pastor, you don't know, I, I work 30, 40, 50 hours a week. Do you know that even our work, that we would do it as unto the Lord? We would work as unto the Lord. 30, 40, 50 hours that we are working. Lord, my boss may be an idiot, but you're not. So I am going to do my work as unto the Lord, unto you, Jesus, rather than my boss that may be an idiot. I'm going to work as unto you. My life will be unto you. Hallelujah. My house shall be called a house of prayer. This communion, this relationship, this fellowship that we have with the Lord is blessing, is a blessing. The Lord desires for it to be a blessing in our life. And we are so casual when it comes to the things of God. Ah, whatever. If it fits in, if it works. God, you know my schedule? And we justify the things that we do and don't do. Lord, let me have relationship. Let me have interaction. Let me cling to you today, tomorrow, until you return. Lord, let me cling to you. My house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Lord, that it would not be such for us that our, our lives are in a, in a state 
where there's a den of thieves that have, have set up shop in our life and we are, man, we are messed by it. We are messed up by it. I want to go to the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 7. Going through the motions. Going through the motions. And two things that really stand out in, in chapter 7 right through 13 and on is this thing of what the issues and what the problems are. And there's two main issues that stand out. And this verse 11, Jeremiah 7, 11 says... Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it. I see it. I see it in your life. Jeremiah didn't just speak for a day or once or twice. His life, as he was called, and it was not easy because there were attacks against him and there were attacks even against his life because of what he was saying. Because what he was saying was of warning. And this morning, I want to warn you that you would heed the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life personally. Because the Lord is coming soon, and he wants a sash that is clinging to him and that is enhancing who he is, that we would enhance just as who I am in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is glorified because of me. That my life would be such that He is glorified because of me. I would cling to Him like a sash. So there's a warning. And Jeremiah warns. If you read through all 52 chapters, there is warning and warning and warning. One point he says, ah, people say the vision, the word, that which is spoken is not for us. It is not for today. It's for another people, another time. I'm telling you, you know what I've come to recognize? With the coming of the Lord, you will find that the Holy Spirit is convicting more and more. It's, it's becoming like this alarm. If the Holy Spirit, and I'll tell you right now, we can resist the Holy Spirit, we can resist the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and we push off that heeding or that, that warning, and we don't heed what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. I'm not talking about unbelievers. I am talking about believers the warning of Jeremiah came to the children of God. They should have heeded the warning because the northern kingdom, 150 years, almost 150 years prior, had already been uh, taken and spread all over. In fact, may I say this? We see today that Jews... All over this land, all over this land, Canada, and around the globe, 
there is a drawing by the Spirit of God to move back to Israel with what is going on. There is a simple call, I mentioned the other day, for 100,000 reservists to come and to be activated in Israel because of what is going on. I'll tell you what is going on. We are, we are the fulfillment of the gospel or of the, the prophets is taking place regarding Judah or uh, Israel and especially the southern kingdom of Judah and Benjamin. And there is a drawing by the Holy Spirit to come back to the land. And so they called on 100,000 and there was 160,000 that came. We will fight for this land of ours. They will not be like it was during World War II where six million Jews were killed. They tried to hide it. Listen, you might say, Pastor, are you, when it comes to the Jews, let me just make this statement. The Jews need Jesus. I just heard this last week or two, they are calling for the Messiah to come. They are praying for the Messiah to come. They don't know that he already came. They don't know this. And this passage, Jeremiah, was just before the Babylonians. We're, we're talking within 25, 30 years of Babylon coming. Not even. That Babylon was coming. You need to make some changes. And they didn't. So let me read Jeremiah 7 from verse 1. Listen to the word to Judah. The northern kingdom of ten tribes. There's twelve tribes. Ten of the tribes already gone. They're scattered throughout the world. The amazing thing is... In 1948, they came, they started coming from all over the world. In one day, in one hour, a nation was born, according to Scripture. It has never happened in all of history that a nation that was decimated could come back to existence after 2,000 years, A.D. 70. It was decimated as the Romans came in, and they, there was about a million Jews, they figure, that were killed in that siege in A.D. 70, 70 A.D. And again, they, have, they are coming. Even in this day, and I can see it happening, there will be such a persecution of Jews because it's already happening. It's already happening here in, right here in Canada, right here. There was rallies in Hamilton. There was rallies in... in uh, in Toronto, I, it struck me, I mentioned, I think I mentioned this the other day, first time I ever saw it was at the grocery store, and all of a sudden I see one Orthodox Jew, then I see another one, then I see another one. There was about 15 or 20 Orthodox Jews with their cap, the long Locks. These were guys, men. They were, they were in the store. I'm thinking, I, that's the first time I saw that 
And why are you guys all together? Why? Because they were afraid for their, their, the fact that they are visibly Jewish. In fact, the order has gone out from Israel saying, do not show yourself to be Jewish. You might say, what's the big deal about Jew the Jews and Israel? I'll tell you right now. Israel, as far gone as they are from who God is or a relationship with God and the Messiah, they didn't accept Jesus Christ as their Messiah. But God loves them. They are His children. Those that bless Abraham, the Lord will bless. Those that curse Abraham, the Lord will curse. Don't you, let me just warn you right now, don't you be speaking against Israel. Do not speak against Israel. Because they, as far gone as they are, they are children of God that have gone astray. They are going to come back to Him. They will come back to Him in a, in a split moment as they see the one that they pierced coming in the clouds with all the saints. As we read in Revelation, Jesus is coming soon. And before that, to take up His bride, those that love the Lord. Hallelujah. So the Lord spoke to Jer Jeremiah, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah who enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in these lying words saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. The lying words of those that were saying, we have the temple and we're okay because we have the temple. We are the children of God. And the Lord is saying, you need to amend your ways. You need to change your ways and your doings. And I will cause you to dwell in this place. You will have opportunity to be here in this land that I've entrusted you with. And do not trust in these lying words saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. That the temple will take care of your ways. Just because, listen, this might hurt some of you. Heed the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are doing things you do not want any other person to know. You need to mend your ways. Amend your ways. Change your ways. Because so I'll tell you right now, I do not want... As a pastor of a flock, I do not want you to miss when the trumpet sounds and you're left behind because you did not amend your ways because he is coming for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. <laughs> amend your ways and your doings. And don't think, I just, well, I'm a Christian. Listen. The judgment 
that has come, the chastisement that has come already on the church and on individuals is extreme. And I'm dealing with it as a pastor. Dealing with individuals that are saying, I'm not going to amend my ways, and I'm going to continue on, and chastisement is, is coming and has come. And there is a going, a continuation of going through the motions. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place or walk after other gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. There are things that are happening because we have grabbed a hold of things, ways of doing things that need to change. That we would deal with our neighbors, the people that we are in contact with, the people that would come in contact with us, that we would deal with them properly. If there's issues, that there would be an executing of judgment, proper judgment. Let's get this right. We need to deal with this now. We can't continue on the way we are. Not to oppress the stranger, the fatherless, those that are without a father, the widow, those that are on their own, and do not shed innocent blood in this place or walk after other gods to your hurt. Then I will cause you to dwell in this place and the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. We need to heed the warning. Do not believe the lie that says, you know what, you're okay. You go to church every once in a while. I know about Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus on this such and such a day, and I'm good. And there's stuff in your life that needs to change. Say, Pastor, you're being pretty hard. Listen, I grieve for those that are having chastisement at this time. And I, like I say, there's a number that I'm dealing with at this point, And there's chast the chastisement of the Lord, and it is not pleasant. It is not pleasant. Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. When you are justifying behavior, you are listening to lying words that will not profit you. And you're trusting in your, in your own justification. When you have to justify something, it needs to change. You make an excuse and you trust that excuse. Lying words that cannot profit you or me. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incest, incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know? You say, well, I'm not stealing, I'm not murdering, I'm not committing adultery. We steal in other ways. We murder in other ways. To walk after other gods whom you do not know. 
and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered to do all these abominations. Come into the house. Everything is okay. Listen, I, this is not an easy message. Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it, says the Lord. The Lord knows where you are at. He knows where I am at. Where I am at. He goes on. You can read the rest of chapter 12. I want to make a point again from verse 23, Jeremiah 7, verse 23. Let me go back to 21. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, add your burnt offerings to, to your sacrifices and eat meat. For I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or, or sacrifices. They didn't quite, they didn't have that set up yet. It would be only after that the burnt offerings and all that would be set up. But before the burnt offerings, there was a command that he gave. He says, obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear but followed the counsels and the dictates of their evil hearts and went backward and not forward. Which way are you heading? Are you going forward or are you going backward? Are you heeding the voice of the Lord? Are you heeding the conviction or not? Are you believing the lies that would come into your own wicked heart that says, you know what, I'm okay. I'm okay. I can continue. Listen, they, they were bringing the sacrifices. They were bringing burnt offerings. And the Lord is saying, it does not matter. Because you are in sin and you are, have no intention of changing. So you bring your sin offering. You bring your trespass offering. But you have no intention of changing. I want you to obey my voice. I want you to walk in, in my ways, <clears throat> the ways that I've commanded you, that it may be well with you. And once again, I'm not talking about trials and tribulations. I'm not talking about storms. I'm talking about what's happening as a result of the fact that we're not heeding the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The second thing. I want to read from 1 John 2, verse 15. <clears throat> Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. I'm talking, I am talking to believers now. And we are caught up in things that we should not be caught up. This thing of the pride of life. 
I can do this on my own. I can do life on my own. I'm, in a, I'm, I'm okay. And we struggle. The greatest aspect of pride, just saying, you know what, Lord, I, I can do my, my Christian life depending on my, myself, my discipline. So when my flesh overcomes the Spirit of God, listen, did you know that there's a battle that goes on in your life regarding your flesh? Did you know that your flesh is contrary to the Spirit? Did you know that? You might say, Pastor, do I experience these battles of the flesh and the Spirit? Absolutely. And there are, there are times... And I, I'm, I'm going to read a passage. This is what happens when our flesh overcomes the Spirit of God in our life. Listen, this is Galatians 5.16. Once I start reading, I'll say, yeah, I know that passage. I say then, walk in the Spirit, walk in the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, against the spirit of God, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that, they, that you do not do the things that you wish. So there's this battle that goes on in the believer. There's a battle that goes on. When the flesh wins out, this is what happens. It says in verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. If we're led by the Spirit. We're talking about born-again believers. We are saved not by keeping the law. We are saved by our faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? That's how we're saved. Now, as a saved individual, this thing of the flesh and the Spirit. Now, the works of the flesh are evident and this is what happens. Perfect timing. We're not clinging to the Lord anymore. We're not clinging to the Lord anymore. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. This first four are sexual sins. Idolatry, so having another God, Having a God in your own image. God's a God of love. Yes, He is. But He's also a holy God. And there is judgment that comes. It says judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Idolatry. So I have other gods. I've made other gods before God. Sorcery. We're talking pharmakeia. Witchcraft. Drugs medications that are that we rely on now i'm not talking about good medication and and good things but i'm talking about things that we say you know what i can't deal with this and so i'm going to go i need to go to the doctor and the doctor doesn't know how to deal with spiritual issues either and so you're dealing with things that are spiritual and you're trying to deal with them in the natural, you cannot deal with the natural or with the supernatural and the spiritual elements with natural things. So the only thing that they do, well, you just look at the little list underneath. 
uh, when you get a prescription of all those negative side effects. I was just talking to somebody the other day. Listen. I have anxiety and depression. I have anxiety and depression. I go to the doctor, tell him I have anxiety and depression. Doctor says, let me give you some medication. Gives the medication. And in the list of side effects, you may have a tendency to have suicide or suicidal thoughts. So in your anxiety and depression, your depression says, what's the point of living? This, this medication that is for your benefit will help you to get to a faster place to commit suicide. Now, you tell me that that's not demonic. And we're talking about believers saying, you know what? I'm on these things and I'm okay with it. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Lord, let your spirit be in my life, not the spirit of this world. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revel revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just I also, as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I say that in all love. I say thank you, Lord, for pointing that out to us while we still have breath, while we still have a chance to turn around. Thank you, Jesus. Today, I don't want, I'm not here to judge you and condemn you. I'm here to shake you and to have you look and examine yourself and say, is there something that I need to change in my life? Because God has so much more for me than how life is going right now. And I'm telling you, he is coming back for a glorious church. That's you and me in the place that we need to be without spot or wrinkle. Let us get rid of the things that are in our life that don't belong. Hallelujah. Say, Pastor, that's pretty harsh. How can I do this? Through the wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit, only through the cross. This is why you need to deal with the flesh in a certain way. There's only one way to deal with the flesh. Listen to what happens when the power, when the flesh is put down, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering as in patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. There's no law against those things. Those are the things of the Holy Spirit in our life. Now, here's the key. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The old man, the old nature, the flesh needs to be crucified daily. Every single day. You say, Pastor, is that what, do, what you do? Absolutely. I need to. When I don't, it's amazing how quickly the old man, the, old, the flesh is right there, comes back to life. I need to put the flesh down daily. It says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Crucify the, the flesh. I'm crucified with Christ. I live in this body. I have this body, this temple. 
But I live in this body by faith in Jesus Christ. I don't make the cross of Christ to no effect, that he died in vain. No, he died for me. And so my power and wisdom, the power and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit flow through this message of the cross that I grab a hold of it. Because if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You became alive in the Holy Spirit. Let us walk in the Holy Spirit daily. Let us not become conceited. Conceited is all about, I can do this on my own. Lord, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm telling you at this time, let us not become conceited, which results in provoking one another, envying one another. We provoke one another or we envy others. Oh, man, I wish I could be like that person. I wonder how they're doing it. I'm saying to you, we need to live, not only be alive in the Holy Spirit as we gave our life to Jesus Christ, but we need to walk in the Spirit daily. I'll tell you right now, most of us do not sit in one place and not move day after day after day after day. Every day we get up and most of us are walking and we're moving. And the Lord is saying, walk in the spirit. Heed the chastisement. Heed the warning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I will not compromise. I will not have other idols. I will not practice things I shouldn't. I'm going to heed the warning of the Lord. If you say, well, these passages, in Jeremiah especially, are not for today. Listen, we are at a different point today. Yes, we are. We are coming to the end of a, of a time of grace. The grace of God that is patient. We are coming to the end of that grace. And it will end very quickly in a blink of an eye at the trumpet of the Lord. And those who are dead in Christ will rise. And those who remain in Christ will be caught up to be with the Lord forever. That moment, you will not, I will not be able to get ready if I'm not ready. And so at that point, I will be either here on this planet or I will be caught up to be with him. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I read this already. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And the very next verse, listen, this is where we're at right now. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. That are against Christ. Tell me if we are not living in a time that is against Christ, where there are people that are saying, we're not only coming for the Jews, but we're going to come for every Christian. It is being spoken now. We're living in the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Listen, there is a departing, there is an apostasy that is taking place 
even now I see people dropping off spiritually. They're refusing to be in the house of the Lord. And my prayer as I go after them is, I'm praying that you will turn around, amend your ways. And I can't believe the spirit of the Antichrist and this thing of not amending your ways. I'm going to continue. Yeah, I'm, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. And they continue on in their ways. And they depart from us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written in you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. No lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Oh, man, we need to stand on Jesus Christ. It was interesting. A lot of the songs we sang this morning, I, I didn't know them all. But one of the songs talked about the lies. I thought, wow, that's an interesting phrase. It talked about, Lord, that we would put down the traditions and, and religion. It was interesting, the song that had these, I think it was two different songs, had this thing about lies and traditions and religion are going through the motions. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Do not think it strange concerning a fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy as we partake of Christ's sufferings. And we may suffer persecution, and it may be coming. I believe it's coming. It's already happening. And don't think it's strange concerning these fiery trials, which is already trying you. Because the fiery trial in the furnace, where our faith is at, the things that it shouldn't be, just like gold, starts to dissolve, or maybe not dissolve is not the right word, change from a solid to a liquid. And as it changes to a solid in the heat, the solid of gold becomes a liquid, and everything that does not belong comes to the surface because of the density of gold. The most dense element on the planet is gold. And everything you put in there just floats. Or if there was anything inside of it, it comes to the top. Listen, when it comes to the judgment, it says... But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, or an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? 
Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Thank you, Jesus, for the suffering. Thank you for the trial. Thank you for the exposing of where my faith is at or the things that I might be clinging to that I should not be clinging to. I want to end with this. I want to go back to the, the sash. Thus the Lord said to me, go and get a, yourself a linen sash and put it around your waist, but do not put it in water. So I got a sash according to the word of the Lord and put it around my waist. And the word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, take the sash that you have acquired, which is around your waist, and arise. Go to the Euphrates and hide it in there in a hole in the rock. The Euphrates is a river. It's already drying up which is prophetic. Huh? For those of you who don't know, take a, just Google what's happening to the Euphrates. It says that, that it's going to dry up and there's going to be an army that goes across. This was from thousands of years ago, was already prophesied. Anyways, at that time, there was nothing, there was water, it was full. In fact, hey, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, there was water flowing through. So go to the Euphrates and hide the sash, which I commanded you to hide there. Then I went to the Euphrates and I dug and I took the sash from the place where I had hidden it. And there was a sash ruined. It was profitable for nothing. So he had dug it and he had put the, the sash, beautiful sash, in this spot by the river on the bank. When he went back to take it out from that spot, it was ruined. It was good for nothing, profitable for nothing, couldn't be used anymore. Because really, when you think about it, a sash around a waist, like really, what else can you use? It's starting to decay, starting to rot. It's all filthy, dirty, probably couldn't put any stress on it, and it would just tear. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, thus says the Lord, in this manner I will ruin the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. The pride that they had, even to the point of saying, in the temple, in the temple, in the temple. And yet they continue to do their abominable ways. This evil people who refuse to hear my words, who follow the dictates of their heart and walk after other gods to serve them and worship them shall be just like this sash, which is profitable for nothing. And I started off this message with verse 11. For as the sash clings to the waist of a man, so I have caused the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me, says the Lord, that they may become my people for renown, for praise, and for glory. I didn't read the last part of that verse. But they would not hear. They would not hear. This morning, church, that you would heed the word of the Lord because he wants to wear you, that we would cling to the Lord because he wants to wear you, for renown, to know 
we are his people. You become my people for renown, for praise, and for glory. For his praise, for his glory. He's wearing us. That you would heed the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life at this time. In Jesus' name, I pray. But as for those whose hearts follow the desire for their detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord. And the first thing that was mentioned here, this is from Ezekiel now, jumping to Ezekiel chapter 11. It talks about, actually, let me go back a little bit here. This returning. This is Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 18 or 17. Therefore says, thus say, therefore say, thus says the Lord God. And this is for Ezekiel to say, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. That happened in 1948. And they will go there and they will take away all its detestable things and all its abominations from there. Then I will give them one heart. This still has to happen. This has not happened yet. And I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they, may not, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. I want you to know, I want to I end off with hope at this time. You may say, Lord, how can I follow you? Okay, we need to repent of our ways. In the midst of this judgment that would be coming, Jeremiah 9.24, just a few ver uh, chapters, and they, they're all one after another. They're all attached to each other. It says an interesting thing. It says, but let him who glories glory in this. If you're going to boast in anything, if you're going to glory in anything, glory in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. The Lord is there to exercise loving kindness to you as you just humble yourself. Lord, I repent. And the judgment that he would mete out to you as you repent is one of saying, you know what? I forgive you and I'm going to lift you up. And righteousness he wants to give righteousness and wrap us in robes of righteousness, for in these I delight, says the Lord. It's interesting, the same thing is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 1.31, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Glory is to boast. Lord, let me boast in you. Let me boast in who you are. The verses leading up to this, listen, once again. Jesus has taken care of it all. Jesus has taken care of it all. He was the one that went and he overturned the tables. He overturned. If you say, Lord, I'm in the outer court and those tables, man, get, get the business of my life that does not belong. Let it get out of my life. Let it get out of my life that I would glory in the Lord Jesus in verse 20 of that same chapter, 1 Corinthians 1.20, says, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer? The one, that, or the one that would write all the things down, the scribe. Where is the disputer of this age? Where is the one that would say, I'm a philosopher. I'm the one that would argue the things of wisdom. I can't believe the, 
the talk shows that people are having at this point in time. The wisdom of this world. Let's get them all together. I like what I'm seeing in Jordan Peterson. Pray for the man. If you don't know who Jordan Peterson is, he's here from Toronto, professor. He was standing up to things. And he got booted out. He's very close to grabbing a hold of Jesus Christ. In fact, there's times where he has wept about, where, about Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross. He has not made a profession. I believe his daughter is, has come to know the Lord. The disputer, a disputer of this age. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. The foolishness of a message. What message? Well, the Jews request a sign. Show us a sign. And the Greeks, the philosophers, the wise, the intellectuals of the day, seek after wisdom. Even to this day, we have Jews and we have Greeks. We have those that are religious. We have those that are speaking the wisdom of this world. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. We preach Christ crucified. To those who are called, whether you're religious or an intellectual, if you grab a hold of this foolishness of Jesus Christ, Christ becomes the power of God and the wisdom of God in our life. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Hallelujah. If I could have called the worship team if they would come. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. No flesh shall glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus. Like a sash that would cling close to him. In Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus. Because of Christ Jesus. Who became for us written from God. And who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. He is our righteousness. We're clothed with robes of righteousness, His righteousness upon us. Sanctification is all about the things of cleaning you. He can clean you up. Lord, I'm going to trust in you. I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm not going to trust in my own abilities. I'm going to trust in you. Listen, some of you are trying so hard in your own discipline, in your own strength, and I say to you, Lord, call out to the Lord, Lord, I'm going to put my trust in you. He's our redemption. That means he bought us. Lord, you bought me with your own life. It costs you your life. Lord, I'm going to boast in you. My boast is in you to set me free. To take the business and the things that keep me out of court. Lord, let it be known and let it be removed from my life. I will not believe the things of lies. I will not 
do things because of pride. I can do it myself. I'm going to heed the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to trust. I'm going to place my trust in you. I will glory in you. I will boast. Another word for glory is to boast. You ever, you ever give somebody praise, legitimate praise and worship? Oh, you should. You should know my. Get to know who my wife really is. I just say thank you, Lord, for my wife. I say thank you, Lord, for who she is. The encouragement, the support, the strength of who my wife is. As I would glory or boast in her and of her, we would do the same thing with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm going to boast in you. I'm going to boast of you. You are the one who is my righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And Lord, you are saying you want for us to cling to you. A beautiful sash. Can we stand together? I want to just make an invitation at this time. Once again, I want to open up the altar. And maybe there's people that you might just say, hey, I need to come just between me and the Lord. I need to come. There are things in my life that need to go. The Holy Spirit has been convicting already. And it's not just the things that we need to get rid of, but it's also the things that we need to do. Lord, I have not done the things that I should do. That there would be a statement of submission, a state, statement of confession of things that need to be changed before the Lord. Let's come to the Lord. Another thing of coming to the Lord is you're saying, Lord, I'm going to glory in you. You are the one that is saying, hey, I want you to be close to me. I'm going to glory in you. I'm going to boast in you. Say, Pastor, can I do that from my seat? Sure you could. I want you to make a public confession. Lord, this is where I'm coming. I am coming to you. I'm making a public confession. I want to glory in you, Lord. I'm going to glory in you. I'm going to glory in you. My boast is in you. I am coming, Lord. I'm not depending on my own righteousness. I'm depending on your righteousness. If you are, if that's you, I want you to come. And even if you're in the right place, you make a public confession, Lord, I'm going to glory in you. I'm going to boast in you. I'm going to trust in you. My righteousness, my sanctification. Sanctification is all about the one that can change us. Sanctification is a and if a result of consecration, if you look at the meaning of this word sanctification, it is the result of consecration. I say, what's consecration? Consecration is I give my life completely to you. I'm consecrating myself to you. You want to have sanctification. If you want to have changes in your life, Lord, I am consecrating myself to you. You are my sanctification. You are the one that can change me because you have bought me. You have redeemed me.
with your blood, your body broken, your blood shed. I want you to come. Come. Let this altar be filled this morning as we either get things right, as we make a, a confession, as we make a, a consecration, as we make a boast of worship and praise. Lord, my faith is in you. Come. Let's give glory to the one that gave his life for us. King of kings and Lord of lords, the one that spoke the universe into existence, the one who died for you. Lord, I'm going to boast in you. Come. His heart and desire is that we would be worn, that he would wear us, that we would cling to him as a sash. Come. Let us give him praise and glory this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Let's sing unto the Lord. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.